Welcome to Purpose Church. My name is Eric, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. And we have a really special treat for all of us. Today, my wife Sarah and her friend Stephanie are going to be preaching about raising prayerful kids and how do you do that. Now, before maybe you check out and say, well, I don't know if this message will apply to me, hang in there because I guarantee you all of us are going to get something out of this. And and really, the big idea comes from our text where we discover that Jesus prioritized kids. In Luke chapter 18, we have this interesting interaction with Jesus and his disciples and, and some kids, and it begins like this. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. In other words, the disciples believed Jesus is way too important to be spending time with kids, but that's not how Jesus felt. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus prioritized kids. And for that reason, Purpose Church prioritizes kids. In fact, and I'm trying to say this humbly, I think our kids and student ministries programs here at Purpose Church are some of the best in the country. We have amazing staff and volunteers who are literally shaping the spiritual direction of the next generation, but it's not enough. Now, I'm not saying what they're doing isn't important. In fact, what happens here on Sundays and Wednesdays with kids and students is essential. And if your kids or students aren't involved, get them plugged in. But there is an oftentimes overlooked missing ingredient when we think about how to raise our kids to truly love Jesus. And the missing ingredient is this. What happens in your home needs to mirror and and reflect what is being experienced on Sundays and Wednesdays. In other words, all the research shows as Sarah and Stephanie were writing this book together, what they began to discover is all the research shows that when families pray together, when they read the Bible together, when they have faith conversations, when they serve together, when Jesus is really at the very center of their families, kids grow deeper in their relationships with God. In other words, the key to spiritual growth is this. A family that loves Jesus and experiences them together, plus a church that helps kids and students experience Jesus. Now, what was interesting about this process for me on the outside is as I watched Stephanie and Sarah write this book, I began to see how what they were learning started to change our entire family that we started to take more seriously what our kids were learning in Purpose Kids. We started to take more seriously having faith conversations at home because we discovered how essential it was. One of the chapters in their book, they they talk about listening to God's voice. And and a few weeks ago, our family decided, all six of us said, we're going to go into separate rooms of the house and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to speak to us. And so for five minutes, everybody went into different spots and my older three kids found spots in our house and my wife, Sarah, went into our closet and then there was Levi and I. And Levi's our three-year-old Tasmanian crazy man. And, and, And here's the thing about Levi. Levi's an amazing kid. He's a horrible prayer partner. Trying to get him to focus in prayer was pretty difficult. And yet for the few moments that we did, I actually felt like God spoke to me. And I felt like God told me, Stop 
rushing. And oh, I needed to hear this from him because I had just been too busy. And I felt like God spoke to me. And so our family got back together and everyone went around and shared what was it that God was saying to them through these times of prayer. It has had such a powerful impact, not even just on our family, but on me, that I'm learning prayer can be even more fun, even more meaningful, even more creative than I ever thought possible before. And because kids matter to Jesus, and because kids matter to Purpose Church, kids should matter for all of us. And so whether you're a parent or a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, maybe you're a kids ministry leader, maybe you're a mentor or a coach, or you have some kids that are in your neighborhood, what we're going to learn together today, what Stephanie and Sarah are going to teach us is going to help all of us help the next generation follow Jesus even closer. If you're interested in picking up Sarah and Stephanie's book, you can go to RaisingPrayerfulKids.com or wherever you like to buy books. That's where they're sold. But I am so excited for what Sarah and Stephanie have to share with us today. So get your notes out, get ready, because we're going to have a great time together. But before they come on, let's watch this video together. Do you ever feel like it's hard enough just keeping your child alive, fed, and in bed before midnight? Do you ever feel like your family is disconnected or like there's something missing? The weight of parenthood is heavy. It can feel overwhelming and daunting to find time in our busy days to be intentional with our kids when it comes to their faith. But God can transform our families through prayer. We will walk you through simple, life-giving, and exciting ways to pray with your kids. And the best part is, doing these activities won't add to your busy schedule. Instead, you will learn how to make prayer a regular part of your everyday moments. You'll be equipped with the tools to pray with your kids more intentionally and creatively. You'll find that praying with kids can be connecting, fun, non-intimidating, and even life-changing. What if you could give your kids the lasting gift of experiencing God through prayer, that will continue for the rest of their lives. Imagine the impact on God's kingdom if families could come together and deepen their relationship with God and each other through prayer. So we invite you to join the movement. Together, let's raise prayerful kids. Thank you so much, Eric, for that beautiful introduction. Um, my name is Stephanie. I'm visiting from Minnesota, where I live. I live with my husband, Trevor, and our three kids, Calvin, who's nine, Griffin, who is seven, and Harriet, who is six. And I get the privilege of visiting the Holmstrom family a few times a year, and I get to stay with them. So I um, usually end up coming to Purpose Church. So I've been a guest at Purpose a few times, a handful of times, but this is my first time that I've been able to speak at Purpose. So thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here with you guys. I'm really, really grateful for this opportunity. So I run Raising Prayerful Kids with Sarah. We co-run our ministry together, and we are a ministry that equips parents to be doing faith formation at home with their kids, specifically prayer. We are passionate about 
teaching parents how to make prayer fun and connecting, creative, intentional with their kids. Because we believe that God can transform people and families for his kingdom through prayer. And our ministry was really born out of a need. When Sarah and I became moms, our oldest are about the same age. And when we became parents, we started talking to more and more parents. And we started to hear the same things, that they did not feel equipped to shepherd their kids in the faith. They didn't feel like they knew how to pray on their own, let alone with their kids. And so I started doing some research and I was looking for for resources to give my friends when they had questions about how to bring church home, how to pray with their kids. And I really fell short. I didn't find anything that I really, really loved. So I prayed about it and I really felt God telling me that it was time to create a new resource and a new movement. And he was very clear that he wanted me to invite Sarah to come along with me. So here we are four years later, we have a ministry and our book just released and it's very, very exciting. Prayer matters. Prayer is so important. Did you know that prayer is actually the most commonly practiced spiritual discipline among adults in America? So that means of all the spiritual disciplines, like reading your Bible, going to church, fasting, prayer, all of those things, prayer is the most common practice. And the main reason that we pray, of course, is to get to know Jesus, to deepen our relationship with him, to align our wills to him, to affirm that he is sovereign. But apart from that, prayer has a lot of other benefits. And I want to tell you about some of them because I think it's so cool. Prayer is actually known to reduce stress, increase self-awareness, provide better communication, and it gives a more empathetic and forgiving attitude towards others. And I think that is so amazing because God designed prayer to be good for our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies. That's so, so cool to me. But interestingly, most people pray alone. Communal prayer is just not is common. And so it makes sense that when you're talking about parents, they're not as comfortable praying with their kids or for their kids because they're used to praying alone, quietly in their minds. And that's good. Solo prayer is really important. We are all about that too. But we want to encourage parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, ministry leaders, friends, neighbors, any trusted adult that you can pray with kids in fun, connecting, life-giving ways and that you should. It can be really, really powerful. Parents, the behaviors that you model at home with your kids have a lasting impact on their faith. Research tells us time and time again that it is actually the parents who have the biggest impact on a child's faith development. So when parents partner with the church, they have a church-going family and at home, they're talking about their faith, they're praying together, they're doing all of their things, they're involved in a family faith life, those kids are more likely to grow up. They, first of all, transition into late adolescence and adulthood easier and smoother, but they're more likely to have a lasting faith, to not go through that little dip where they might leave the faith for a little bit and come back later. Kids who are involved in a family that is prayerful and faithful are less likely to experience that. And when it comes to family and prayer, it's actually really interesting because families that pray together show more unity. They feel more bonded. There's a sense of closeness, which is really, really amazing. But 
We understand that as parents, all that information is a lot of pressure. There's already a million different things to do, all the decisions to make. And so spiritual formation, praying with our kids, it can just feel like one more thing to add to the list. We totally get that. But we are not about doing more. We are about turning what you're already doing with your kids more intentional. By changing your language, you can take everyday moments with your kids and make them faith-filled moments. Because at the end of the day, we want to let go of the things that we strive for, like being the perfect parent, having the perfect kids, having the perfect home. We want to let go of those things and zero in on what matters, which is making sure our kids know and love Jesus. That is exactly right. Thank you, Steph. And hi, Purpose Church. I'm Sarah. I am so excited to be here today. Normally, I'm hanging out with the kids on Sunday mornings, but I am so thankful to be here with you today. Well, I want to ask you a question. Have any of you ever had an experience where afterwards you said, okay, I'm never telling anybody about this. It's too embarrassing. I feel like too much of a failure. Well, I had one three and a half, about three and a half years ago, and I called my husband after this event happened, and I said, we will never tell anyone about this, and now I'm going to share it with you. And also, God had me put it in the first couple of pages of our book, so um, he's kind of funny like that. But anyway, about three and a half years ago, I was at home after church with all four of my kiddos, and Eric was still at church at a meeting, and um, we were all kind of just hanging out. Brinley was laying down on the ground next to Levi, our youngest, and he was only about two months old at the time. And then my toddler, she was two, she had peed her pants accidentally. We were potty training, so I was kind of changing her. And then all of a sudden, I heard a sound that no parent ever wants to hear. I heard loud choking noises coming from the baby, the two-month-old baby. So what I didn't know then is that Brinley had gotten this little ring. I didn't know she had it, but she put it on Levi's finger because they were playing that they were married. And he dropped the ring into his mouth and started to choke on it. And I forgot what you're supposed to do. And the moment I panicked, I just grabbed my phone, started calling 911. I was holding the baby, just sobbing. And my oldest son, Charlie, he was six at the time and he is so tenderhearted, but he started to wail and he was saying, God, take me instead of Levi, take me instead of Levi. And as he's screaming, this, I couldn't hear the 911 dispatcher, so I had to leave all the three older kids in the house and go out to the front yard as I was talking to the 911 dispatcher. And by the grace of God, Levi coughed up the ring. All the color came back to his face, but I was still kind of going through and talking with the woman on the phone. So then I went back into the house, and just then I hear the sirens pulling out because, of course, they still sent a team of amazing first responders. But when I went into the house, which was really messy, by the way, with, like, diapers on the floor, I wasn't expecting company, um, these different things had transpired. So Charlie, the oldest, was still sobbing. Brinley, the one who committed the crime, had taken off her shirt because, I don't know, maybe that's just what you do when you're four and you're in a crisis. Lila, who was already kind of half-naked from the pee incident, she had taken a black Sharpie and put it across her lips. So all of this had gone on, but I couldn't really take care of anything because at that moment, firemen and paramedics, this whole team is coming into my house. And there was this one sweet fireman. He didn't come up to Levi because Levi was fine in my arms, but he looked around at all of this, the sobbing kid, the half-naked kids, the Sharpie lips, and the mom who somehow let a two-month-old baby choke. And he just said, are all these kids yours? And I kind of looked down and said, 
Yes, yes, they are. And as if that, you would think that that would have been the worst moment. But, you know, they assess Levi. Levi's fine. We're going to get ready to go to the doctor just in case. And then the same fireman, he said, well, you know, you did a great thing calling us. It can be so scary to call 911. And then my oldest said, oh, it is not her first time calling you guys. She called you when she locked us in the car. And rather than explain that story, how I'd accidentally closed the door while the keys were still in it, I just prayed that God would suck me up into heaven. I called Eric. I told him, we're never telling anyone about this. And I just felt like a failure as a mom. And I I tell you this story just to remind you that there are these big moments in life where we realize we need Jesus. But the truth is we need him every minute of every single day. We need him and he wants to transform your family through prayer. That's what God wants to do. He wants us on our knees and he wants to transform your family through prayer. So I am so thankful for Steph and so thankful that she invited me to join this ministry four years ago. But I had no idea that saying yes was going to completely um, just start to change me, who I was as a mom and a wife and a friend, and to change our family. And it's so funny when I'm researching prayer or practicing new ways to pray with my kids and most of all prioritizing prayer, I'm thinking, okay, this is really going to transform my kids. And hopefully it does, but I had no idea how much it was going to change me. And I'm still a messy mom and person, but I am just so thankful that God is transforming me and making the main thing in my life prayer instead of all of the stuff that I um, just so often want to put above that. So one thing that God is teaching me over and over again is whether you are a parent or a future parent or just someone who has a kid in your life that you love, we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying about how to guide them, praying for them, and praying with them. We were never meant to do it on our own, to parent on our own, to teach Sunday school, to run a company, to be a neighbor. Whatever it is that God has called us to do, he never meant for us to do it out of our own strength. In fact, the moment you chose to believe in Jesus, if you've made that decision, or if you are considering making that decision in the future, the moment we choose to follow Jesus and surrender our lives to him, he gives us this incredible gift. And I forget this all the time, but he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is God in us and God upon us. And the Holy Spirit, there are so many benefits to having the Holy Spirit. He is our personal counselor. So we can cry out to him for help all day long. He is guiding us. He is the one who points us back to Jesus when we've gone astray or when we're trying to hide our sins or trying to not tell anyone what's really going on. He's the one that turns us back to Jesus. Um, He's the one that helps us when we pray. So how do we enjoy the blessings of the Holy Spirit? How do we not keep forgetting and keep trying to do it out of our own strength? Well, we pray. We get serious about prayer. And all throughout the scripture, God promises to be with us, that we are not alone. He promises to give us wisdom when we ask. He promises to hold us by his righteous right hand. He promises that when we look up to him, he is where the help is. So that's the good news is we get to live a spirit-filled life. Everything that he's called you to do, he's called you to do with the resurrection power of his spirit. So that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, helping us as we lead these kids of the next generation. And when we depend more on God and less on our own energy and our own strength and our own just white knuckling it, trying to do it all ourselves, that is when we get serious about prayer. When we pray more and we work less and we worry less because we're praying and we're being guided by the Holy Spirit. 
And our job, this is what I love, our job is to need Jesus and love Jesus. Pastor Glenn shared this incredible quote a couple of months ago from a book that I'm reading by Pastor Jim Sambala. And it says, God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. Our weakness, in fact, makes room for his power. So we don't have to wait for a disaster to cry out to God. That's good. We can cry out to him in disasters. But there is more to prayer than just praying in desperation. The creator of the universe wants to talk with us. He wants us to listen to him and be led by him. So we get to live this life of rich prayer. And actually, I love this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, because this verse reminds us what our will is. God's will for our lives is that we would have a rich prayer life. It says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all situations. That that is his will for us. And I love that so much because I spent so many years trying to figure out God's will for my life, and his will for my life is that I would talk with him, listen to him, and be led by him. And that is his goal for our lives as people, but as parents and grandparents as leaders, it's similar. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I just love this reminder that our main job is to be praying with our kids and for our kids and the kids that we lead. I think this is so refreshing and relieving because we can, like Steph said, let go of that stuff that we strive for and rely on him for guidance and wisdom every single day. And nowhere in the Bible is prayer suggested. Jesus doesn't say, if you feel like praying, it's when you pray. So we are, it's commanded that we pray. And that's because we have such a good God. He wants our hearts. He loves us and he wants to speak with us. So let's make prayer a regular part of our rhythm. Let's all kind of recommit to that or commit to that today. And we just want to share with you some practical ways of how you can start doing that today. Thank you, Sarah. And before I get into that practical stuff, some of the good resources for you, I just want to encourage you guys, do not underestimate the power of your prayers. Your prayers are life-changing and eternal. Prayer, Sarah tells me this all the time. She reminds me of this, but prayer is the only gift you can give the people in in your life, the kids in your life, that is eternal. The prayers that you cry out to God, that you plead to God, that you praise God, all the prayers that you give God, they have a lasting impact, generations upon generations. And the cool thing is, the crazy thing is, we're not even going to know the impact of those prayers until we get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, we're going to know, wow, all the times I've cried out to God, that had an impact. And I just think that is so amazing. So do not underestimate how important prayer is. I want to tell you a story, and it feels a little weird to be sharing it right now, but I actually think that it gives us a ton of hope in our current global situation. But when the Communist Party took over Russia, they really persecuted the church. You know, um, clergy members were sent to camps, and they were killed. Churches were closed. They were blocked over. The Bible was banned. Really, Christianity was all but banned. But in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2011, 82% of Russians were believers in Christ. 
So how does that happen when there's 70 years of persecution? How does it become a country of faith? And the answer is really interesting. And the answer is the grandmas. So the Russian grandmas would go into the churches. They would still walk into the churches and they would light candles and they would pray for their country with passion. And no one thought anything of it. No one thought of these little grandmas as anything intimidating, but their prayers were powerful. And in their homes, you guys, their daughters, all the women were made to work. They had to work so they couldn't stay home with their kids. And so the grandmas were charged with raising their kids. And in the quiet moments of their day, when they were putting kids down for a nap, when they were putting them to sleep at night, when they were making snacks, cleaning up their house, playing games, they were teaching their kids about Jesus. They were sharing scripture. They were teaching them how to pray. They were reading their Bibles that they had. They were making an impact in the everyday moments that last for generations. And now I can't help but wonder how many of these grandmas are there praying right now. And we get to join them in that, and we should join them in that. But I want to tell you that you don't have to be a parent and you don't have to be a grandparent. This talk is not just for those people. There's a lot of research in youth ministry that shows kids need a lot of adults invested in them. In fact, they say that every child needs five adults invested in them. That is that they know them. They're interested to know their story on a deeper level. They're invested in their faith. They're just invested in what's going on with their lives. Kids who have five adults invested in them, they have a firmer, long-lasting faith, and they're just doing better. The research suggests this. The research tells us this. So if you are an adult who's not a parent, don't underestimate your importance. You can become a mentor to so many kids who are in your lives, whether they're nieces and nephews or kids at this church or just neighborhood kids. You are important too, and you should know that. You matter. I think that our world seems really dark right now. I kind of have this visual that our world is just like draped in a blanket of sadness. And that can be really dark. It's really overwhelming and it's really intimidating. But I think that we need to remember that our hope is not in the world. Our hope is in Jesus, who's the king of the world. And we have direct access to the king of the world through prayer. And the good news is, is that we too, just like those grandmas, can invest in the next generation. We can build up the next generation through prayer. We can pray with the kids in our lives throughout our days in ways that are really simple and that don't have to add more time. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in a really practical way. So we really like to say, change your language. And what I mean by that is just take some of the things that you're already doing with your kids, things that you're already saying, change the way you're doing it, add a little more intention, and you can turn it into moments of prayer and moments of faith. And one of the ways that Sarah and I both love to do this with our kids is by blessing them. And the kids at Purpose Church, they're blessed every week. I've seen this down in the Sunday school room, so they're used to it, which is really, really amazing that their church gives your kids the gift of receiving blessings. But to bless someone is to speak, it comes from the word benediction, and it's to speak good words over them. And so what you do to bless someone is you get on their eye level, on their eye level and you make eye contact and you will usually touch them. You'll put your hands on their face or their shoulder, maybe give them a hug and you speak good words over them. So sometimes this is scripture. Sometimes it's just God's truth. And sometimes it's a combination of the two. And I am really passionate about blessing my kids because I feel like our world is full of 
bad words. Our world is full of negativity. You know, in our media, um, the things that they learn at school, social media, our own negative self-talk that starts at a really alarmingly young age, that negative self-talk. Our kids are surrounded by that. And we have an opportunity to speak goodness and life over them, to build them up in a really beautiful way. And we can do this through blessing. So blessing helps me parent throughout my day. I like to bless my kids as we're getting ready to go to school. So it's really easy because I'm already saying, bye guys, I love you, have a great day as they're walking out the door, they're getting out of the car in the pickup line. But I can change my language just a little bit and I can look at them. I can touch them, make sure I'm making really good eye contact with them and I give them a blessing. So I am sending them off to school where I don't get to be with them all day. I'm sending them off to school filled with God's truth. And so I usually do a combination of scripture and just words. So in our family, I'll say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. And may you always know how much God loves you from the top of your heads to the tips of your toes. And then depending on the kid, I'll say, and may you be filled with joy and gentleness today. We're we're working on gentleness. And that's how I send them to school. Because sometimes I think, It's really easy for me to rush out the door, to be like, go, 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 we're going to be late. But when I stop and I bless them, I make sure that I'm taking a really intentional moment to point them to God and to connect us together. So I encourage you to try it with your own kids. And another thing that we do in our family is we do a prayer of examine. And a prayer of examine is when you take a moment to look back on your day and you notice the good parts of it, the bad parts of it, how you felt during that, and then how God was present. And there's a lot of ways that you can do this as adults, but... When it comes to kids, we keep it simple. So every night at dinner, we say what was the best part of your day, what was the worst part of your day, and how did you see God in it? And I think this is so powerful because we are teaching our kids at a young age that it's okay to have bad parts of your day. It's okay to be sad. And no matter what, God is present in all of those moments. And I think it's a really beautiful gift that we give our kids. And then we conclude that with giving a short little prayer before we eat, where we say, God, thank you so much that you're with us every moment of our day. We want to be better at recognizing you. Thank you for all the gifts that you've given us. Amen. And it's really simple. It's a learning process because it's hard. I think even as adults, We don't often look for God. Like, how did I see God in my day? But when I modeled it for my kids, they started picking up on it and they now know how to answer that question. I did a lot of, if they would get in a fight and they would make up, I would say, oh, wow, that's how I'm seeing Jesus in you. Or if someone did something kind for the other, I would say, wow, I'm really seeing Jesus in the way you're talking to your sister. And eventually with time, practice and consistency, we were able to learn how to do this in our family. And I encourage you to try it on your own because you will see fruit from it and your family will be blessed as you learn to pray in these ways together. Thank you, Steph. She is the one who taught me how to do prayer of examine with my kids and with the Purpose Kids. And it's amazing to hear where the kids have seen God in their lives and seeing them really practice that muscle and know um, how to recognize him and how to be noticers of him. So I am excited to just give you a few more examples, uh, practical examples of how you can pray in ways that are fun and meaningful. And I love that prayer can be both. It can be fun and it can be meaningful. And the first one I want to share with you is one of our favorites in our house. 
and it's called The Grateful Game. And this game is so fun because you can play it with your family, with your kids, with your classroom, but you also, this is going to sound weird, you can also play it with yourself as a grown-up. And I'll tell you what I mean, but basically we just shout out what we're thankful for and we take turns. And now that my kids are older, they love to play the ABC version. So we'll say, someone will just say, thank you God for animals. They're so fun. Thank you for Brinley. She's a great sister and on and on. But what I mean by playing by yourself is when I can't fall asleep at night, sometimes I'll have insomnia and I will just lay in bed and I will just start praising God for who he is. And I like to do it in alphabetical order too, you know, just lying there going, God, you are amazing. You are big. You are compassionate. And I usually fall asleep before I get to Z. And I don't think God minds because we're just falling asleep talking together and I get to praise him as I'm falling asleep. And some of my kids do that as well. But I've also used this when I've been particularly negative about a situation or a responsibility. Um, I'll just start praising God for the things about it um, that are good and that are from him. And my kids have learned to do this too. And as a grown-up, this game changes me and I watch it and I see it changing my kids and the kids at our church. I love this quote by Trillian Newbell. She's one of my favorite kid authors, but she's also written some amazing adult grown-up books too. And she says, we must not take ourselves so seriously that we forget the wonder. We forget to delight. We forget the joy of living. And most important, we forget the God who gives it to all of us. So when we teach our kids how to praise God in every situation, even for the small things like juice boxes, we are teaching them to look for God, to be noticers of him in their lives all around them. And praise is awesome because it gives us peace to combat our anxiety. It it gives us joy. It protects us from self-pity and from sadness and all of these things, just being in the practice of giving thanks to God. And then the next one I want to share with you is one of my personal favorites for myself, but also for my kids. And this is called breath prayers. And breath prayers is just another way of saying to make all of your day a prayer, to practice the presence of God. Psalm 156 says, let everyone that has breath praise the Lord, everything that has breath. And since we all have breath in our lungs, when we practice breathing and praying, we're just giving up more of our breaths to God. And how you do this is you take a deep breath in and you can say part of your prayer and a deep breath out and say the other part. So sometimes I'll split up a verse or sometimes just I'll call on the name of God and then ask him a request. So in our family, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll breathe in really slow and we'll say, Holy Spirit, and breathe out slowly, bring me peace. And this has been such a game changer in our family because I will do this when I'm getting stressed out. Even when my kids are the ones that are bringing me the lack of peace, they will watch me doing this. And I've seen them start to do it. Um, Our oldest daughter, Brinley, when school is particularly hard for her, um, she will, I'll just see her all on her own. She'll breathe in and she'll say, this is hard. But you are with me. You guys can even do that at home too. Just breathe in through your nose. Hold it nice and slow. This is hard but you are with me. And that is just a reminder that God is with us in every single moment. Another one we've been doing a lot as a family because we've been talking about God's love is just to breathe in slowly. I love you. 
and you love me. And that's just a reminder that God loves us, a reminder to just put our attention on him, to call on his name all day long. And I love this. I love teaching this to kids because it's something they can do when they're with us, but it's also something that they can do when they're not with us. It's a tool that we give them to remind them to breathe and pray. And breath is such an amazing gift that God's given us. You know, most people only breathe about a pint size breath, like that kind of breath that you're supposed to reserve from when you're running for your life. But we can breathe a whole gallon. We can take deep breaths and pause and pray. And when we pair that together, it's just such a powerful thing. In our family, it's been fun because the older kids have taught the younger kids how to do it. And I have a little video of my youngest two, Lila, teaching Levi how to do it. So kids of all ages, grown-ups of all ages can practice praying and breathing together. And what's really fun is I've seen both of my older kids just on their own. When I've been passing their rooms or they've told me about it later, I've heard them crying out to God. And I learned how to do this really as an adult, but I love that kids can learn this now while they're still little. They can learn the importance of praying all day long, not just right before they go to bed or before they eat a meal, but praying all day long. So before we go, I just wanted to remind you just exactly what Steph said, that the time that you've spend praying for others is the only gift that you can give them that lasts forever and that will impact generations and impact eternity. So it is such a worthwhile investment. And we want to boldly ask you to do something today. Would you commit with us for the first time ever or recommit to just making prayer the top of your list, a non-negotiable part of your day, to pray for the kids in your life that you love and to pray with them, and just to remember to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. He is with you every minute of every single day. And I wanted to share with you an encouraging verse. Maybe some of you, like I so often do, maybe you struggle sometimes with prayer. You go through seasons. I have seasons where I just feel almost unmotivated to pray. And I, I know from talking to a lot of my friends and family, it's just been a hard couple of years. And with everything that's been going on in our world, with quarantine and with the war that's going on and the spiritual war that's going on, all of these things can just make us feel almost hard-hearted or almost like, is prayer even going to change anything? We start to question that. That's what the enemy loves to tell us. He loves to keep us from praying. So I've been reading this verse over and over again, and it speaks to me so much, and I hope that it encourages you too. This is just such a comfort in those times when it's hard to pray. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, this is one of God's promises, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow many decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So remember that the Holy Spirit is with you. God wants to pour his spirit out on you. He wants to give you a brand new heart. He wants to remove from you your heart of flesh. You can't do it on your own, but you can do it through prayer. God wants to transform you and me through prayer. So let me pray for you before we go. 
God, I thank you so much for everyone listening today, God. Thank you for the families. Thank you for the grown-ups and the kids. Thank you for everyone who's carved out time to be here today. And God, I praise you for wanting to talk with your kids. Thank you that the creator of the universe longs to talk with us. You long for us to be still and to listen to your voice. And you want to move through our families through prayer. So God, would you remind everyone listening that you have chosen them for such a time is this, to love these kids that you love, that you made, that you've placed into their homes and into their lives. And would you help us to just recommit to not doing it by ourselves anymore, to going to you with everything, to leaning into your voice, to listen to your spirit, and to be guided by you. Thank you that you never leave us alone. Thank you that you speak to us and you go with us. We love you, God. Amen.